lot of great quarterbacks that played the game. Some guys that didn't get a chance to play, and that was something that was always disheartening to me. But uh, it was always a motivator to me that if I played very well and other guys like Randall Cunningham and Doug Williams, we would open up the doors for another generation of guys to get more opportunities. So somebody has to be the first. Why not me? And it's something I was proud of, but I didn't forget about the guys who, who motivated me to get there. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw of the Vikings Entertainment Network, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park with a cool edition of Skull Stories for the week. We're going to have Warren Moon joining the show in a minute, but first, I want to make sure you know all the places you can find Skull Stories. You found it tonight, however you found it, might be on 100.3 FM KFAN. A few other places, though, where you can find Skull Stories. We're going to join you every Tuesday night, but if you miss us on Tuesday nights, you can catch us in on-demand format. Of course, at Vikings.com and on the Vikings app, in your Apple Podcasts app, and also on the Vikings channel in the iHeartRadio app. So lots of cool places to check out Skull Stories. Of course, Skull Stories is here to bring you inside and give you greater detail on a story or a person who has a great place in Vikings history. Tonight, that's going to be Warren Moon. We'll get to him in a minute. First, let's talk about the victory. The Vikings just logged over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a fun one. And in case you missed it, leading the way for the Vikings was Case Keenum starting for Sam Bradford for a second consecutive week, and he had a career day, 369 yards passing, three touchdowns, throwing the ball all over U.S. Bank Stadium. He found Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen a bunch of times, and now Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are second and third in the NFL in receiving yards. The last time the same team had the second and third leading receiver through week three, was 2000 with the greatest show on turf and the St. Louis Rams, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. So, pretty cool honor for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Hopefully they can keep it up. Dalvin Cook off to a great start for the Minnesota Vikings. He had 169 total yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Vikings defense, that is the identity, the backbone of this team, and they showed up on Sunday as well. Three interceptions, two sacks, and your Vikings run defense, folks, did not allow a run of longer than four yards all game. They have not allowed a run of longer than 11 yards all season, so that run defense off to a great start. It all added up to a 34-17 win, and now a 2-1 record as the Vikings get set to host the Detroit Lions on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium in the first of what will be three games in a row against NFC North opponents. Two of them will be at home. That's what's happening currently with your Vikings. Let's talk about the past and Warren Moon, tonight's guest on Skull Stories. Before you hear from Warren, we're going to bring in Craig Peters, who is from the Vikings Entertainment Network as well, who has worked for the team for four seasons and who was with the Tennessee Titans organization 
for four seasons before coming to Minnesota, which means he's familiar with the Houston Oilers as well. And, of course, Warren Moon has a profound place in Houston Oilers history. So we thought we would bring Craig in to talk a little bit about Warren before we hear from Warren. Welcome in, Craig. Thanks for having me, Wavi. You bet. Thanks for making some time. I know that you've listened to the Warren Moon interview, and obviously you have a great perspective on a team that he used to play for, uh, in addition to the Vikings, the Oilers. So what were your thoughts hearing from Warren and, and your thoughts on Warren in general? Well, I think it's always great to, to hear from Warren. I think that uh, the way that he fought and, and wouldn't give in and, and kept wanting to prove himself, and mm-hmm. he knew he could play in the NFL, he had to go to Canada to play quarterback. Yeah. Once he proved himself there, he signed with Houston. That was a huge deal. It was 1984. They had drafted Mike Munchak in 82, Bruce Matthews in 83, and Dean Steinkuhler in 84. So wow. the, the O-line was yeah. getting built. And it took them a little bit for them to really gel. But once they got it going, they got the run and shoot there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a very unique team. Uh, they went to the playoffs, I believe, seven straight seasons. Yeah. Uh, the the O line really grew together. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You have dynamic receivers. Yeah, uh, good defense too, and a, a team that would always tow like to to the point of you think they're finally going to clear the corner. Mm-hmm. They go into Buffalo. Buffalo's won a couple of conference championships in a row. They have this gigantic lead, and then it just just falls apart. And it's yeah. very well chronicled in Houston '93. And I, I feel like that that. Um, that game really impacted the the NFL landscape going yeah. forward because I believe if Houston wins that and goes to the Super Bowl and and wins that game, they have no trouble getting a new stadium right in Southeast Texas at mm-hmm. all. Instead of the uh, odyssey that the franchise went on going from Vanderbilt Stadium yeah. uh, in '98, Memphis was '97. And then when the the current stadium with the Titans opened in '99, yeah. Um, but my three years there, or four seasons there, Coach Munchak was was the head coach for three, and he he really loved talking about the the Oilers' uh, yeah glory days. So yeah, I think when you when you look at the universe of great quarterbacks in the NFL, Warren Moon can I don't want to say get lost in the crowd because he's a Hall of Famer, so not lost in the crowd, but there have been so many great quarterbacks um, in NFL history. But when you look at his place in history, it's a profound place. Um, you know, with his struggles to be accepted as a quarterback, um, and then reaching some of these statistical thresholds that he was able to reach, uh, both in the CFL and the NFL, um, really incredible. So really cool stuff coming up here from Warren Moon, nine-time Pro Bowler, five-time Grey Cup champion, a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Without further ado, here's Warren Moon. It's not every day we get the opportunity to chat with Warren Moon, a pro football Hall of Famer among many other uh, distinguished accomplishments in his career. Now a broadcaster for the Seattle Seahawks, playing a preseason game against Seattle gives us the opportunity to catch up with you, Warren. Thank you for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's always great to be uh, associated with the Vikings because that was uh, one of my stops throughout my NFL career. I had three years there, and I loved every one of them and uh, still go back and forth to to the t- Twin Cities whenever I possibly can. Well, good. Um, you're going to come back to the Twin Cities, I would imagine, I'm later this winter yeah, for I'm the Super Bowl. I'm coming back with these guys. You might be calling a game. <laughs> we don't want that because I've, we want to be in it. Yeah, but. I've called three of them since I've been here, so it's, it's been a thrill, and I, I'd love to be able to call a fourth one this year. Yeah. Um, 
you know, looking back at your, your time with the Vikings, um, you guys got a lot done throwing the football. You had two 4,200-yard seasons, and you had a season where you threw 33 touchdown passes, and this is not in the era where teams are throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. Um, but you guys were very productive. Yeah, and the ironic thing is when I came to Minnesota, I thought we were going to be more of a balanced team. You know, Coming from Houston, I wanted to go somewhere. As I got later in my career, okay, great defense, more rush, rushing the football, take a little bit of pressure off the old man. But I actually threw more <laughs> passes in Minnesota than I did in Houston, and it just kind of turned out that way. And uh, I was able to have a, a lot of success doing it, having guys like Chris Carter and Jake Reed and Kadri Ishmael and guys yeah. like that to throw the ball to, it makes it easy. Well, Chris... Chris had 122 catches in back-to-back years. And I remember Herman Moore, I think, was playing at that time, too, for the Lions. And he was a guy who was always up there. But those two guys, I would just remember, with over 100 catches in a season at that time, that was a real accomplishment. And you were, you were giving it to Chris a bunch then. And he had 122 catches back-to-back years. Yeah, and he set the uh, single-season record the one year. And then the next year, Herman Moore came back and beat him by one catch. Okay. But, yeah. but uh, they were battling, like you said. And then Jake Reed was a guy who had, uh, I think, 86, 87 catches yeah. one of those years, too. So we were throwing the ball around a lot. We also had good running backs. Um, you know, Robert Smith was yeah. there at that time. And and uh, Scotty Graham and you know a bunch of Terry guys. Allen, Terry Allen as yeah. well. So we we had a, a good balanced offense, but we tended to throw the ball a little bit more. What was it about your, you know, your ability to see a game or see a defense that allowed you to be so prolific? I mean, when you retired, you were top five in every major category, and I always tell people that about Fran Tarkenton. Like when Fran retired, he was number one yeah. in everything, and yeah. now with the proliferation of the spread offense and all that the the records just fall but when you were when you hung them up i mean you were you were top 5 in everything what was it about your game well, I love to throw the football, and I think coaches knew that. Uh, offensive coaches knew that, and they tried to design offenses to, to give me opportunities to throw the ball. And I think one of my biggest strengths was my versatility, that I could go into any offense and still be productive in it. So a lot of people thought, okay, this is a run-and-shoot quarterback because he's coming out of the run-and-shoot. But I went into the Vikings offense, which was more of a uh, – you know, West Coast style of offense with Brian Billick and had success there and then came to Seattle and did the same thing. So it didn't matter what offense you put me in. I would somehow adapt to it because of my versatility and and uh, be successful. Uh, you know, playing in the Metrodome for those three years, they, hopefully everyone was quiet when you were on the field. But when you were on the sideline, you, what do you remember about about the Metrodome. I would imagine it was loud when, when you were playing there still. That's what it was known for. Yeah, it was one of the loudest places in the league to play, yeah. uh, especially for an indoor stadium because I'm glad I got a chance to play there for the home team and not, yeah. not the visiting team because everybody just swore that we amplified uh, noise in there through these big speakers we had yeah. on the field, but we didn't. It was just created by the, by the fans there. And it's the same thing here in Seattle. We have great fans here too, and uh, everybody thinks our, our sound is... Uh, is yeah. is somehow manufactured but just great fans in these two towns great sports cities yeah r- right now you're calling games for the seahawks what do you enjoy about that the thing i love most is the first class organization i played here um many years ago uh, when paul allen first took over the team yeah. and he's done nothing but improve it since uh consistency this is a team that every time we go into that that booth to do a game this team has a chance to win every football game, yeah. and that's great because I've been through some 4-12 and 12 seasons where you're making excuses each and every week for how bad the team is, but uh, this team you know is a good football team, and they play a lot of great football, and that's what you love broadcasting because it makes every game really good. What's it like to, to be at a Super Bowl and call a game? 
you know, it's it's surreal because you watch them on television, you listen to them on the radio, but you never envision yourself yeah. calling one yourself. And then uh, to, to call three of them and, and, and win one of them and have a, a Super Bowl ring, that was something that was very exciting as well because, you know, even though I'm not on the team on the field, I'm part of the, the team here with this organization, and, and they rewarded me with a Super Bowl ring for that. And Warren does a great job on the Seattle Seahawks broadcast. It's fun to listen um, to highlights. You've heard so many from the Seahawks over the years, and you hear Warren Moon's analysis. Pretty cool to hear he does a great job. And actually, that's why we were able to chat with him. The Vikings played the Seahawks in the preseason, and that's when we had time to catch up with Warren. Craig, he was very gracious with his time uh, with us in the Seattle press box before that preseason game, and I know you've probably had an interaction or two with Warren over the years. Oh, it was great. Yeah, he helped us out in Tennessee with a special project. And then uh, here at the Vikings, our very first year of uh, our Black History Month content series, he was a um, very uh, amazing source and, and so well, well spoken on um, African-American quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to hear more from Warren uh, after the break. Before we go to break, a programming note, join host Mike Musman along with the Sack Daddy, Everson Griffin, at Jimmy's Food and Drink in Vadness Heights on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets, in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. And please stay tuned. More from Warren Moon coming up in a minute. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw. We have more with Warren Moon, but first we want to tell you about the Vikings app. Get the Vikings app and you can be the first to know. Breaking Vikings news, access video on demand, and get ticket alerts all on your phone with the Minnesota Vikings app. Download today in the App Store and Google Play. Okay, more from Warren Moon is coming up. A statistical treasure was Warren Moon. Traded to the Vikings in 1994, immediately led Minnesota to a 10-6 record and a division championship. Back then, the NFC Central. 4,200 passing yards in both 94 and 95 was a 62% passer. And at his retirement, Warren Moon ranked top five in yards, touchdowns, attempts, and completions. Very similar, Craig, as we bring you back in, to Fran Tarkenton. Absolutely. Uh, Fran was, was number one when he, he called it uh, called it the end of the road, so mm-hmm. to speak. So he was 6,000 yards ahead of Johnny Unitas. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, dozens of touchdowns ahead, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, those, those numbers that he put up stayed for a long time, and it's just such a different era now, isn't it? It is. Warren Moon still ranks uh, in the top – 10 in some and top 15 in all of the major statistical passing categories. So very impressive uh, career from Warren Moon. We were lucky to be able to chat with him. Coming up now, though, Warren talks about his time with the Vikings. Many of you listening will remember these days, and those who can't, you're going to get educated. Here's more from Warren Moon. You know, going back to 94 when you came to the Vikings, what do you remember about the circumstances you know, you being traded um, to the Vikings and, and what that was like. And the reason I want to ask you about that is because we have a quarterback now who was, who was traded. Um, that's how he got here. Right. 
So what do you remember about that experience and what it's like? Well, I was getting up there in age, and uh, it was a salary cap era. It just started. Okay. So uh, Cody Carlson, who was my backup, was 10 years younger than me, a guy that they had kind of developed for the future. Here I was, 38 years old, and wondering how much longer can I continue to play at this level. And because of the salary cap, you can't pay two quarterbacks big money at that time. So yeah. they had to make a decision. We're going to go with the younger guy for the long haul as opposed to maybe one, one or two more years out of Warren. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was something they regretted because I ended up playing you know, seven more years and yeah. went to four more Pro Bowls. And Cody ended up playing one season and, and hurt his knee and was out of football. But, you know, it was a decision that I knew they had to make from a, from a business side in that. So I understand the business of football. And I was just glad I got a chance to go to a team like the Vikings and uh, play for Denny Green, a guy who wanted me there. Um, they needed a quarterback at that time. Uh, we lost a couple of guys on, on defense in free agency during that same offseason, so I thought we, we were going to be better on defense and, like I said, be a little bit more balanced and didn't have to throw the ball as much. But because we weren't as good, um, we had to throw the ball a little bit more than, yeah. than we wanted to. Well, you won 10 games, I believe, that first season. Yeah. You won we, the division. We won our division, yeah. and we didn't play well. In the, I think I got hurt or something in the playoffs. but You played the Bears. Yeah, we so. got we lost at home in the uh, to the Bears in the playoffs, and uh, that, that was kind of, that kind of hurt because felt like that team was better than that. We could at least went to the championship game. Yeah. Well, you know, right when uh, we were opening U.S. Bank Stadium, that, that's when Denny passed away. And um, I know you mentioned him a couple of minutes ago, but what, uh, what was it like playing for Denny Green? What do you remember about him? I, I loved playing for Denny. One, he was very motivational, uh, very organized. He comes from the Bill Walsh, you know, tree of coaching. So, very well organized in everything that we did. He, he believed in not being on the field a ton, get more of your work done in the classroom, yeah. be more uh, mentally sharp in the game, and be well rested come Sunday so you can give everything you got on Sunday afternoon. And for me, being at 38, 39 years old in my career, that was right down my alley. I didn't want to be out on the field two, three-hour practices and, yeah. and wearing myself out throughout the week. So Denny was perfect for what I needed at that time in my career. Freddie Zamberletti. You know, he's still around the building. <laughs> yes, he is. Freddie's not going anywhere until they kick him out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, a, tr a trainer who's been with us every step of the way. Um, any, any good stories with him or anything you remember about Freddie? Uh, you know, Freddie, he just cared. You know, he cared about all the guys. He had great relationships with all the players. Played a lot of card games, cribbage, and all that yeah. type of stuff all the time. I was never a big card player or anything like that, so I never did any of that with him. But we had some great talks uh, because he would always stretch me out uh, before the game. I had a, I had a, uh, uh, a rotator cuff sh uh, stretching program that he that he um, okay. would go through with me. So we just talked a lot, and he, he was a very calming influence. Yeah. Really got me calm before games. Dennis Ryan, the equipment manager, still with the Vikings, forty plus years. Yeah, one of the best I've ever been around. I mean, yeah. he really had me prepared to play each and every week, no matter what type of conditions we played in, whether it was cold weather, hot weather. Uh, the guy just knew how to take care of the players. And that's a big part of any organization, the equipment man, because the players want to go out there and feel comfortable so they can just play at their their, um, their maximum without yeah. having to think about anything. And he knew what every guy needed and made sure he had it. I want to ask you about this because I was reading um, – I've heard your Hall of Fame speech, but I, I went back and read through it also. And I really thought it was interesting because all through your career – you know, you just wanted to be known as a quarterback, right. right? And so this is something that you've talked about a lot. But you you go into the Hall of Fame with, you know, the distinguishment of being the first black quarterback to go into the Hall of Fame. So right. I'm wondering what, you know, how do you 
feel about that in your head because your whole career was just, I just want to be the quarterback. So what's your outlook on that? Well, it's something I'm very proud of because uh, there were a lot of great quarterbacks that played the game. Some guys that didn't get a chance to play, and that was something that was always disheartening to me. But uh, it was always a, motiva- a motivator to yeah. me that if I played very well and other guys like Randall Cunningham and Doug Williams, we would open up the doors for another generation of guys yeah. to get more opportunities. So even though I was the first uh, somebody has to be the first. Why not me? And, it, like, again, it's something I was proud of, but I didn't forget about the guys who, who motivated me to get there. The, you yeah. know, the, the Marlon Briscoes and the, the Joe Gilliams and the James Harrises, those guys who played before me. Um, I, all felt, I felt like all those guys should share a little bit of that, uh, that Hall of Fame with me because they were motivators to get me there. And the last one, I think it's you and Bud Grant. Are you, are you two the only ones? In the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football yeah, Hall of Fame? Yeah, Bud's the only coach. I'm the only player, and that's yeah. another distinction that I'm very proud of. A lot of guys don't get a chance to play in Canada, so they don't get that chance to, yeah. to be in the Hall of Fame. But there have been a lot of guys that have, that have played in both. And uh, for me to be um, distinguished that way, mean, it means a lot to me. It shows how much hard work I put into, yeah. into this game and how much I didn't give up no matter where I played. I, I tried to be as good as I could be wherever it was. It means a lot to us to have uh, you join us, take a few minutes out of your uh, pregame routine. We appreciate it. Thanks for the chat, Warren. Well, thanks for having me on. Really appreciated my time in Minnesota, and go Vikes. All right. All right, and there it is. That's our conversation with Warren Moon. Let's put a wrap on this, and before we go, Craig, it's just such an interesting part of the conversation to me with Warren Moon is the distinction that he has of being one of the first great black quarterbacks in the NFL, and he goes into the Hall of Fame. And the reason I find that interesting is his whole life he struggled with being singled out because of his race. So he just wanted to be one of the guys and to be thought of as a football player, not as a black quarterback. But then he becomes the, one of the very first great black quarterbacks, so he carries that distinction and is, is one of those who's opening doors for other black quarterbacks. I think he handles that uh, very gracefully and speaks about it very eloquently. I, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, he just was so determined that if he got enough opportunities, he could prove his merits mm-hmm. as a quarterback. And, uh, you know, it did take playing in Canada for several years and just... <laughs> throwing the ball all over the place in Edmonton but then he finally got a shot in the NFL lifelong dream of his and he proved he could do it yeah pretty cool to hear from Warren Moon uh, certainly um, has a great place in Vikings history and of course in NFL history and that's the beauty of Skull Stories uh, you hear more details about those types of stories every single week at 6.30 on Tuesday nights. So that's it for tonight's show. Thank you, Craig, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. More action coming up this week, including on Sunday when the Vikings host the Detroit Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium. On behalf of Craig Peters, I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, signing off for now. We'll be back next week with another edition of Skull Stories. 